1: Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the place where we chat about the greatest team in the land, Watford FC. Today we'll be moving up to the Brentford game on Tuesday with fan and podcaster David Anderson. But before that, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show football analyst and Watford fan Jordan Weimer to chat all about the Hornets. And Jordan, you're back to talk about another win, although we're not quite as pleased with this win as we was with the previous one. And we'll get into that, but it felt like it was a bit of a typical Watford away performance, at least judging from this season.
2: Yeah, we've talked about before how I'm only on for nil-nils normally, and that's pretty much as close to a nil-nil as you can get for a win, I think. Um, yeah, it was it, it was a little bit hard to watch. Well, it was very hard to watch, I think, in a lot of areas. Um, it wasn't the most entertaining at all, um, which it was disappointing. I think we were hoping for a bit of a better reaction, but as you say, we did get the win, so we can only complain so much, of course. Um, yeah, so the result, looking at the result on, on the on the on the table and how it puts us back up to fourth it's a positive thing but the performance on the field I think we, we struggled in a few areas and there's a few things that need to be addressed particularly away for sure.
1: Iric deployed Perica and Dini in the previous game and it worked quite well but he didn't start with those two in this game why do you think he didn't do that?
2: I can only assume it's it's fitness perhaps there might have been a little bit of a niggle or you know signs been flagged on Perica from the medical staff and maybe he thought wasn't a good idea to start him or perhaps he just wanted to change things up a little bit and, and go back to a, a different system that allowed uh, allowed some other players to come back into the squad and, and maybe see if it fared a little bit differently. Yeah, it seems a little bit strange to change things when they're working, but I'm sure there was some reasoning behind it. Um, clearly it worked pretty well and we saw some some glimpses of a good partnership there. So, And, and we saw it again when, when he came on as well. We saw Perichard make a difference uh, and yeah... I, he did, yeah. I think he just has that injection of, um, of energy and kind of, it's got a bit of tenacity to him. And he's a little bit awkward with the way he moves and he's not the most fluid, but he's chasing everything down and. He he makes a good run and he was just fast enough and obviously won the penalty. So I think he adds something right now that some players in the squad just don't really have. It's like a little bit of an intangible kind of effort and, and keenness that he brings to his play. I think has been helping a lot and you combine that with the fact that he's actually a pretty good uh, player to have in the box in terms of his instincts and he gets into good positions and he knows how to he knows how to play in that in the box, which is something that a lot of our strikers have struggled with um over the last few seasons
1: he's a tall guy preacher but he's got a lot of pace about him and and i think that's one of the things that's impressed me this season about the guy
2: yeah, he does. He he's not. He's he's a bit stiff. Like he doesn't move particularly smoothly. He doesn't turn particularly well. But he he can he can run at a decent speed. He's got acceleration is not bad. So he can he can travel. He can get across the ground and he can make it difficult for defenders. So he does give you that little bit of extra threat there. And as you saw, it was just enough to to win the penalty against Birmingham. Um, actually, I was thinking when I was watching Andre Gray play recently. A lot's talked about his pace and how that kind of is an asset that you can you can use in the game. I just I feel like he moves a bit stiffly himself now as well. I don't think he's as fluid as he used to be and there's a bit of a rigidness to him to his movement and just the way he gets around the pitch. So although Paritch doesn't offer the same amount of just raw speed, he does have other assets to his game that just make him that little bit more valuable i think he's a he's a good a good player in the box he's got good instincts and he makes good runs and finds himself in good positions which is something that we've definitely lacked uh, from our strikers in the last few seasons.
1: Dini was of course playing in the game and playing against his uh, his favorite team his boyhood team he's got a, a tattoo of of Birmingham on his on his leg hasn't he and uh, he uh, was called to make a a big moment happen in the game when he took the penalty but uh, there was no um, worry from him about about scoring against his favourite side. He just got his head down and did what he usually does, smash it into the back of the net.
2: Yeah, that's what we kind of expect really at this point, isn't it? I mean, he, had, he missed two good chances uh, earlier on in the game. I think the, the lobbed effort was perhaps a wrong decision he had a little bit more time than he thought and then the header which was definitely the harder of the two um, but yeah I think he was a bit disappointed he couldn't get two of his efforts on target there and the fact that he got the opportunity to, to go from the penalty spot is yeah, it's, it's good for us and we know what Troy does those penalties. his penalties I mean we've talked about ad nauseum as a fan base how He's going to go down the middle and as he was saying in the post-match, if it's going to work, I guess, then keep going with it and if a keeper decides to stand there, then you've still got to stop it. So, yeah, if you can continue with that and we get success from it, then, yeah, keep going.
1: I don't really want to go over old ground, but I know that we kind of have to because every time Watford play away, they, they play in this kind of, I don't know, disappointing, not very proactive, but not particularly action-packed way. How do we... Get past that, Jordan. How do we? How do we try and? Well, how does Ivic try and? You know, inject something into the game to 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 make away games not so disappointing and depressing for Watford fans at the minute.
2: I think you just have to go there with an element of risk and and accept that there's going to be an element of risk if you play at a faster pace. And I think we just have to have some some impetus on the ball and, and play just at a better tempo. Uh, I do think our midfield three. Um, uh, that's not a midfield three I'd like to see. Very often, at all, uh, I don't think they help you in that in that sense. They, they weren't the sort of midfield you need when you go into that sort of game. And you need to have a midfielder that dominates the game and is able to to make things happen on the ball. I think we had three very sideways midfielders, and Joe Garner can look up and play forward, but he's been pre- he's been pretty inconsistent with his um with his with his with his game, and he's just not quite uh, been the player that we'd hoped at the moment. We've seen flashes of it, but not been consistent enough. And then the other two, Chalaba and Cleverly, they just don't have that range of passing that we we kind of need. Uh, and when we do try and go forwards, it's often very slow. I don't think we looked um, cohesive at all in the attack. I thought our spacing was was off. Um, there was lots of lots of gaps. We don't we don't really need to be seeing that sort of uh, that sort of movement from our forwards, whether it's at home or away from home. We've got better players than that, and if they're that spread out and we're isolating and Troy like we were, then we're just not really going to be in a situation where we can create chances. So. I think the main, the main thing for me still is just the tempo we play with. And I think when we go away from home, we're just a little bit cautious and we slow things down and we try and be controlled and be careful. But if you, if you're too careful, I mean, ultimately you're not going to make the chances we saw in the first half. We had an XG rating of zero, which is, you know, you're not having a single shot. There's not a single chance of a goal to be scored. So. That can't really be happening for us, and and expecting to get wins. I know we got the win, but it was in, it was rather fortunate in the end. I think um, I think a draw was probably a fair result. I know we had a few better chances, but it was a very bad game of football. And you can argue that you can win your home games and do that away, but you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to win the home games. I think any team that goes up needs to have a decent away record too. For me,
1: it felt like a repeat of the derby game in many ways.
2: Oh, it was. Yeah, I mean the derby game. A very similar experience in terms of you know you had that one moment, it, it was a moment of quality as opposed to a penalty, but it, very much a different day. You know, one one aspect of the game changes, and one the situation doesn't happen. You don't have that call and you, you know you're nil nil. I know you can argue that for any game, but those in particular, you feel like there were them games where you, you kind of felt like you wouldn't have scored all day if you would played, and we just happened to in like a very small isolated moment of the game. So. For me, obviously, results are important. Of course, is the most important thing, but I I do think that performance is a very good indicator for how well you're going to do for the season. If you can keep repeating them, you know, good performances and seeing them incremental improvements, or or whatever you need to be seeing in terms of um, attacking threat or defensive structure, whatever you need to be seeing some improvement and some consistency. And I think. The, the consistency we're seeing in the way performances is, is that we become a slightly negative, laboured side, and that's not really what we need to be seeing when we're trying to fight for promotion. Whether that's playoff or automatic spot, you need to have that consistency of performance across home and away. I mean, teams can play a little bit of a different style away from home; that's not uncommon. Obviously, this happened you know as long as footballs existed, and home and away advantages existed. So, you're going to see some slight changes, but we're a very different side to what we see. At home, particularly in that game against Preston, and you know, even in the last game, um, we, we got the three points and it was a slightly different performance. It wasn't our best, but you have that attacking threat there. Whereas away from home, we just don't look a threat.
1: Well, you mentioned home and away performances there. This game coming up uh, is against Brentford, and it's going to be a very interesting one, Jordan, because it is, uh, if you were to split the table into two, into both a home table and an away table, you've got the top of the home table in Watford facing second in the away table in Brentford. So you've got a team that loves playing away, that's won five already this season, and a team that um, has... You know, in Watford, been doing a much better at home. It's going to be interesting test, isn't it, to see who comes out on top on that one?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be the first real game we've seen. I mean, we saw the game against Bournemouth. We played at home. We had a little few elements of that, where it's kind of that almost feels like a top of the table kind of clash. And you've got two teams that want to win the game. They have both, you know, got some some attacking threat, especially if you're talking about us playing at home. So, yeah, I think Brentford are going to come, and they they're going to be a difficult match for us. They're probably going to be the best team we've played in the sense of how they perform away from home I think it's going to be an interesting an interesting match for us to watch as fans and see how we play in Ivit's system which is in some ways kind of it's suited for this sort of game because we are comfortable to be off the ball and I think we've got players that, that work better in situations where they are under pressure to counter-attack and and, and play that way. Because at at the moment, we've not really been a counter-attacking team at all. But we have got players that are suited to that style of play. So if we're maybe forced into that situation, we might be able to see a few little few little differences in in some of the players, whether that's Ismail Assar or or Ken Semer, whoever. We've got a few in there that can uh, adapt to that. Um, As of now, we've played a lot of games where we've had a lot of the ball and things have looked a little bit... Difficult for us in terms of transitioning the ball, so I think just changing the dynamic of the game might help. And I also think if you have a team that comes and re- and plays at a decent tempo like Brentford do, I think you're kind of forced into raising your own. It's not been as much of an issue at home, but I think it's still important that we we do start to see a little bit of a, a more more intense uh, more intense focus from our from our team when it comes to attacking and just trying to up that speed a little bit more.
1: Brentford have a player in Ivan Tony who scored 15 goals already this season. That's an incredible amount. And uh, I think it's certainly a player that Watford should have some concern about. But how, how do you think um, Ivic will prepare for for a player like that?
2: Well, I mean, it's possible that we see the return of the back three. That's that's definitely a likelihood. I think um, not just for Tony himself, but just you know, just to help. Just to help uh, ease the pressure on on that back line because Brentford are pretty good at getting numbers forward and they're dangerous in in those areas, especially when you get into the center of the box. And someone like Avantani that can move into those areas and he's pretty comfortable in in multiple areas of that front line. So you've got to be you've got to be very focused and switched on because he's going to move across that back line wherever he plays and it's going to make it difficult. So yeah, he's a goal scorer and he's he's a very good player and he's one that I know we looked at and it's in some ways disappointing we couldn't have. Uh, pushed on a little bit with him he's been a great player for us to have in the squad but yeah he's their main threat but they've also got quality all over the pitch so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the approach we take I think if you if you focus your your defense on one person you are kind of having to pick your poison a little bit because there are going to be other players that can hurt you but I I do think we'll be primarily focused on trying to make life difficult for him.
1: Um, I'm talking to uh, a Brentford fan and podcaster in David Anderson a bit later in this chat and uh one of the things he brought up in the conversation that we've already had is uh that he's been surprised when he's been analyzing Watford how little we're using Saar this season in in, in wide areas given that he's you know possibly one of the best players in the championship what do you what would you say to that Jordan
2: well, yeah, I mean, I think we've been trying to use him fairly often. He he operates in that wide area and he he stays very wide, more so than his counterpart on the left. Um, we've we've always tried to use him. I mean, we've had a few optu- uh, options and sorry opportunities to use him in the central areas, which we've done that, but he's not really occupied that space as much. But when he has played, it's been predominantly on that right hand side and very wide right. So we have got the ball to him, but I, I don't think he's played. Um To the same level that he that he has done previously for us, and that he can, I think as we spoke about in the last podcast, there's a lot of lot of factors that play into that, but I do think that he's just uh he's struggling to adapt a little bit, and I think a big part of that too is that he's playing against teams in a different fashion they're sitting off him, and they they are knowing that he's a he's a big threat, and he hasn't quite figured out how to how to best play that yet. I don't think he doesn't look quite comfortable when he's got those two bullies in front of him rather than that player that's kind of whether it's forced tight onto him, or whether he's in a one-on-one race, both towards the same the same goal, uh, defender that's you know struggling to get back and getting counter-attacked. we haven't had the opportunity. I think we've we've had some. I think we've had the fewest shots from counterattack in the league. I might be wrong on that. It's, it's close to anyway. We just haven't really been playing in that manner. So it, it's a different sort of football for Sar. Um, I think I think any manager, including Evid, is going to be looking at Sar as one of the main. Uh, the main threats that we have in the team. So I'm sure we're trying to game plan for him to be used, but there's just a lot of factors that play into that. And you can't underestimate what the other teams are doing to try and shut him down as well. So against Brentford, I think this is an opportunity for SAR because we will have some space there. I do think they'll they'll push numbers forward and they'll be confident they can attack us. So you're always going to have that threat of SAR on the counter-attack. And I think that's kind of what we need um, and what suits him best at the moment.
1: Do you think that Hughes is a player that Watford could really benefit from coming back as soon as possible?
2: Yeah, I think I think Hughes is vital to that. Um, my midfield, as I said against uh, Birmingham, was below average for me. Uh, they're all all three of those players. I I kind of put down as complementary players to the likes of Hughes and Capu. You add one of them into a three-man midfield alongside the other, two, uh, alongside Capu and Hughes, and things you know things are fine. So it's, it's a good midfield, but you you put three of them together, and it's just not not really what you need. Um, so yeah, I think Hughes returning would be a, a big boost to that. He's got that versatility that he can play in that two-man midfield. He can play in the three-man. He can play deeper. He's he's good off the ball. and He's quite tenacious, and he, he actually is, his defensive side of his game is a little bit underrated, I think, um, by fans that haven't watched him in the last few years. Um, but his offensive, uh, offensive style is, is, is a good match for us. He's he's calm on the ball, and he looks forward nicely, and he can play that ball into some tighter areas and be a bit more aggressive with it. So, yeah, I think having Hughes in there would be a huge difference to that midfield. Also Etienne Capoue as well. I think if you could start both of them going forward, that would be ideal. It's a shame that it's taken almost half the season to get to the, to get to the point where we can play the two of them. Um, but I think it's important that when they are available, they play as much as possible.
1: Yeah, Capoue came on just for a few minutes at the end, but it wasn't really enough chance to, to see much no, of him it. That's was a terrible cameo. <laughs>
2: horrible yellow card, horrible, horrible foul to give away. And it was, uh, yeah, that was an extremely risky one. So that's not... Yeah, Kapoor as a sub has always not quite sat that well with me. Mean, for some reason, it never quite clicks. But yeah, I think he's yeah, he's he's integral, and as is Will Hughes. I think as long as as long as they're available, they should be playing for sure.
1: Final question: It's the one that you know w- that's coming, Jordan. It's a uh, score prediction time. Uh, what, do, what do you think to this time? Uh,
2: oh, I'm going for a draw. This I'm pretty confident on the draw for this one. Um, I'm actually going to go for a I'm go for a bit for high score and then go for a two-two.
1: Two-two. Are you sure? Is Watford yeah. involved in this game? Are you sh-
2: yeah, yeah, no, I've got, I've got a good feeling about this one. I think it's going to be, I think, I think it'll be interesting test. I think Brentford will will show us something that we haven't seen yet. I do think it'll be interesting to see how we how we handle that pressure. I think we're a team that's built built to be quite comfortable off the ball, but there's always that that pressure then when you when you play against teams that don't want to have the ball. What do you do? And I think that's kind of what we've seen away from home too. We've kind of set up to to have that that time off the ball, and we just. Don't really look like we have that set that set pattern of play and that set game plan to operate when we do have it. So I think being forced into that situation where Brentford are going to be a bit more aggressive, that might just leave some space for us to be a little bit quick on the counter and show a little bit of something we haven't seen yet. So I've got a feeling we might we might look a bit different in our attack, even if it's uh, even if it's not quite as uh, as controlled as we're trying to be. I think there'll be a bit more of a uh, an opportunity for us to to score a couple of goals. That's what I'm hoping anyway.
1: Okay, good stuff. That's Jordan Weimer there, football analyst and Watford fan. And you can follow him on Twitter for, as always, some great stuff at Jordan Weimer. Next up, we'll be chatting to Brentford fan and podcaster with the Brentford FC Tactical Podcast, David Anderson. Oh, no. Oh, mate, you've sliced that one. Oh. Oh, man, that's just getting embarrassing now. Right, that's it. I'm sorting this out. Hello? Is that Nick Pinnick's Golf Academy? Can you fit me in for a few lessons, please? Ah, oh, terrific. Yes, Yes! Blimey! What a shot! What in the world has happened to your game? If your game could do with some improving, get in touch with Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy, based in Panshanger. Nick is a PGA qualified coach who can analyse your game with the latest technology and coach you to beating your mates in no time. For more details, Google Nick Pinnock's Golf Academy. turn our attentions to the visitors this tuesday for home again this time playing against brentford and to chat about the bees it's david anderson from the bees tactical podcast at bees tactical on twitter david welcome to the show brentford well they had a great season last year didn't they so narrowly missing out on promotion i imagine this season's expectations were probably quite high going
0: into it uh hi matt thank you for having me on yes um expectations would have been high they um A really good season last year, getting all the way to the playoff final and um, just narrowly missing out to Fulham. And Fulham aren't really giving a great sort of foot to themselves in the Premier League. So we wish we were there. But um, expectations would be hard to sort of repeat that and continue in that form. Um, It hasn't quite gone to plan so far. I mean, we're doing okay. We're not quite hitting the heights of last season, but I don't think anyone really is standing out. So being in sort of being in the fight and being in the mix is probably a bit underrated at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's right. You obviously lost a, a high-profile striker in Ollie Watkins, but uh, you've you've brought in a real talent in Ivan Tony, who has an astonishing fifteen goals this season already. I mean, your uh, your, your team that works behind the scenes is obviously uh, finding some real quality players all over the place, and, and it's it's proving it's proving wonders.
0: Yeah, we're quite good at that, and um, famed for that now. Uh, Tony's um, not quite the unknown gem that uh, we picked up in the past or sort of uh, previously. He's a little bit more known with his. Um, Uh, sort of goal scoring prowess in the last few years but he's another brilliant find he's stepped in and it's like there's there's been a few teething problems but goals have masked any of those Um, yeah as you said he's on 15 now Uh, three of those are penalties he's way he's outperforming his expected goals he's he's dangerous in the box anything comes near him it sticks and he can put anything away so he's keeping us in this fight basically there's not much going on behind him in terms of goals or, or shots or or any real danger. But Tony is um, another brilliant find. And uh, yeah, the Brentford machine keeps going on. Thomas Frank is the man in charge at Brentford. Talk to us a little bit about about the man who's been so successful for you so far. Yeah, so Frank is... Um probably be quite unknown to people in England and uh, the UK so he was at Bromby for a while and that didn't end too well for him and then th- sort of he's, he's a bit more experienced in the youth coach area and um, working with kids and sort of developing and um, doing stuff with the Danish national team and he came to Brentford originally as um, Dean Smith's number two just to sort of help with the more disciplined and tactical defensive side of the game and um, when Dean Smith went to Aston Villa it was never in doubt Frank was going to take over and uh I, I think since he has Brentford have turned into just a far better team in every area so better in attack better in defense better in sort of transition and just improved tenfold and he's proved to be a, just a much better coach he got Brentford last season it was the best football they've ever played they got as far as the playoff final and just uh, sort of one or two kicks away from getting promoted to the Premier League so a really astute tactician um Really disciplined, and I think, is important. What probably gets missed with Brentford is just the willingness to defend and how much we are a really good defensive side, and that's come from him that that hunger and that mindset to be to focus on sort of the defensive side of the game and let the the attacking stuff take care of itself. And he says things like keep games tight, and if the game's nil nil, you can win one nil and nick one, or you sort of keep it really tight and. If, if it is a draw, we don't want to be on the losing side. So he, he thinks defensive first, but don't let that make you think he is a defensive coach completely. He's very attack minded too. He just he just uh, knows the value of clean sheets. So how does he deploy Brentford
1: then tactically? What's, uh, what's his style and, and does he change it on a game per game basis or does he sort of try and be quite rigid in, in his decisions?
0: He's very rigid, yeah. Frank's um, a very stubborn uh, manager. He sticks to his guns. He has a set way of playing and he rarely deviates from that. Um, there's a couple of occasions where Brentford have moved to more three, uh, the back system, a 3-4-3 three, three, but it's more out of um, necessity than sort of choice. He's more forced into that through sort of selection issues. Um, but he he likes to play a 4-3-3 three, three system and it's um, sort of with a single pivot and two eights ahead of that. Uh, or it can sometimes fall into a 4-2-3-1 but There is a a 3 4 does sneak in every now and again, and it's generally to do with sort of masking a few personnel issues or someone's injured or they just want to get another player into the back line. Uh, it doesn't end well it doesn't look good and Brentford look far weaker when they do switch away from the four through three but um yeah the main system is uh four three three sort of a, a central striker two wide forwards beside uh three midfielders behind which um, sort of rotate back and forward and try and connect with the front line or um, sort of be connected with the defenders as well so yeah you're not going to see much change for frank his um, form- you, you can generally pick his for, uh, his teams and his formations pretty consistently.
1: Do you think that's a formation that he's deployed to try and get the best out of Ivan Tony? Because obviously, it's it's very it's working very well. If that is, but but if, if it isn't, um, what's the what's the aim to try and create the goals for the side? Is it is it more trying to go down the wings, or,
0: or how, how would you describe it? Uh, yeah, so last year I think it's, it's a follow-on from probably just basic tactical principles. They're more, they want domination in midfield, they want three players in midfield and they want three forwards and those those wide forwards will combine with either the centre forward or the, the full-backs behind them or a centre midfielder. So the, the 4-3-3 gives you the chance to, to flexibly attack on the wings or through centre. So they've carried on what they've been doing for the last couple of years with Ben Rama and Watkins. and um, This is probably where a lot of um, fans and sort of watchers-on are struggling with Brentford at this season because it doesn't look as smooth or as it's not as silky or, or sort of as accurate as last year. It's a lot. It's a little bit more clunky and a bit more stodgy in the midfield area, and the attacks a little bit more focused around Tony, who isn't a Watkins. He he doesn't sort of stray into the wide areas. He's not. Um, he's not a very. He's he's very sort of much more much more of a box forward than um, than the previous forward. So there has been a little bit of a change. So we are a little bit more reliant on getting the ball to him centrally, and uh, yeah. So this season, I guess. A bit more of attacking in the sense of not so much uh, a sort of central team where we come through the middle with uh, a Ben Rama or, or an Embemo come in and um, he'd be quite clinical and then Watkins would rotate into the wing areas. Now we're kind of a little bit more predictable and you can see the ball going wide and then try to be worked into the box to Tony and it's not quite as um, it's not quite as easy on the eye or um, as aesthetically pleasing as um, last season, but it's still effective and I think once the ball does get near Tony in the box, he's he's quite dangerous so this is just what's happened brentford are not taking as many shots as last year and they're not creating as many chances and uh, the quality of their shots are down but the shots we are creating when they do fall to tony and they, they're good enough for him to be putting them away and we're good enough to sort of be out shooting the opposition in terms of quality as well so it's a good blend we're not as good as last year but we are still good in terms of who we're playing
1: yeah absolutely and, and you're also very very good on the road this season you've uh, you've won five from the nine that you've played away and if there was an away table you'd be sitting second uh, also in terms of xg you're the fifth highest with uh, with 1.3 do you think that um, your away performances this year has, has been you know, a real highlight and, and is it something that um, you're hoping I suppose will continue against Watford? Uh,
0: yes absolutely it'd be nice if it did continue I, I think Home and away, it's, it's difficult with home and away this year um, since lockdown football began because understanding that sort of what, what is home and away football probably hasn't got the same effect as it would have had with, because fans aren't in the stadium. So I think the quality of teams is probably shining through, and Brentford are, are a good side. I, I think we've struggled at home because the games are a bit tighter and um, uh, there's less commitment from some of the opposition to go at us and come out. And, and Brentford have evolved into more of a counter attacking team in these last few years. So when teams. So, so when teams come at us and the game's open and it's a bit more of a shootout, that's when we tend to excel. With This year, I guess, probably what you're what you're describing with the away form is t- teams are, when they are at home, they have an incentive. The, the points are there to, for them to go and win and if they lose in their home games, then probably going throughout the season is negative. So there's a little bit more incentive for teams to come out and um, Brentford sort of pick teams off a little bit more. But yeah, it's, it's difficult to know how much sort of home and away does influence at the moment. But I, I'd say... There's not too much in it. Why right? The games, basically, the games we've not done well at home have been more unlucky and sort of not seeing a game out and really late goals in sort of the last 10 minutes of games, more than us struggling compared to playing away.
1: The exciting thing for me is, is uh, of course, uh, you've got probably one of the best away form in the, in the league and you're playing against the team that's got the best home mm-hmm. form in the league. So it's going to be a really interesting one to see uh, who, who comes out on top between those two.
0: Yeah, it will do. It's a a really interesting game actually. Um, Just looking at some of um, our data, we can see that Brentford are, there's not much that Watford are stronger than Brentford at. Um, I think we're sort of goals for, we've scored more, um, XG4 we've scored more, uh, non-shot XG we're higher as well. Um, but what's quite interesting about Watford is um, it's this, just this defensive record and how strong you are at the back and I think that's probably come down with you from the Premier League so as teams do come down from the Premier League they struggle with um, being sort of, especially the teams at the bottom, you, you turn into a defensive team and you need, you learn to soak up pressure and keep yourself in games. What's probably happening now is you've still got the hangover of that, you're not quite sure how to attack other teams and the Championship's all about sort of outscoring and being a really good attacking team. It's not You don't really win leagues by Sort of solely defending. So you're, you're transitioning a little bit. But I, I think this is going to be a quite it'd be a low-scoring game. I don't, I don't think you're going to concede many chances. And um, looking at Birmingham as well, it was just a really tight game condensed in the middle. It might be a little bit more open in terms of how we play because uh, we sort of like to play through the thirds and it might be sort of a little give and go and um, a bit more attacking in that sense. But um, it's quite interesting to see how strong you are at the back and um, it's really defensively that's um, sort of where you're closer to Brentford than in attack.
1: In terms of uh, location, there's actually not a lot that separates, uh, for just 25 miles, but there's never really been a a rivalry between the two teams, is there, over the years?
0: No, I guess the two clubs have got much bigger rivalries to really pay much attention to each other. There was a a bit of a playoff um, tussle a few years back. Gosh, I think it was 2014 now. Um, And yeah, you do have Andre Gray, who was an ex Brentford player that we sort of dug out from um, Luton. Um, Luton's probably a word I shouldn't say on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> I think as clubs, as clubs, we just both have much greater rivalries on our doorstep. than you. you're sort of not fond of Luton, and uh, we're not very fond of sort of QPR of Fulham. So there's there's not really a need to to sort of have a have any more tussles I think we we've both got our hands full there, haven't we?
1: Yeah, perhaps it's the fact that we both like uh, flying insects uh, of a, of a bee variety. Maybe that's
0: the uh, <laughs> the insect derby. Yeah, the
1: insect derby. Bees versus the. Uh, <laughs> Versus the Hornets. We should probably get Barnet involved as well, and, 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 and then we can have all, all kinds of bees and <laughs> yeah. <in> Boston uh, <laughs> things flying around. Um, so uh, I suppose the system that you expect to, to, to be played against Watford will be pretty similar to what you've seen so far this season, then. No, no changes required to try and
0: cope with any of Watford's threats. Uh, Probably not, no. The only real deviation we've seen from Frank or the curveball is Marcus Force. He's a young um, Finnish striker that's um, been on our books for a while now and he's really dangerous in front of goals he's got a really good sort of record of the chances he has he's outperforming his i think mean, he's got 5 goals now from sort of about two or 2.5 3 xg so he he's a really good finisher and he's if he gets a chance then he's likely to put it away so he's been playing on the left wing um and really okay. he isn't a left winger he doesn't really track back so what it turns into is more of a 442 so he'll be quite close to tony and sort of a bit try and be a bit narrower and um we'll turn into a four-four-two shape so you're not really a team that attacks much down the wing so i can i, I could see him coming on and being sort of fresh and because he hasn't played much in the last couple of games he could start this game and we go a four-four-two and then kind of match up with you guys as well so I, I saw you play against birmingham and um it got really bogged down in the midfield and it was a a stodgy game and there wasn't really much creativity it sort of launched the ball tried to go direct to Deeney quite often and uh yeah. I think if you play like that against Brentford you're probably going to give the ball away far too much and it might cause you a few problems so I, I think there'll be a bit more subtlety in your game as well a little bit more sort of conservatism and just being a bit more patient on the ball but uh I, I the only surprise I yeah that's it really I, I think force might come into the starting lineup otherwise it will be four-three-three. yeah sort of Sergi Canos Ivan Tony, and uh and Bummer on the right, and then a, a midfield three of um, sort of the only three or four sort of fit and firing midfielders that we have.
1: Okay, is there anybody you're worried about from a from a Watford perspective? Schmeleosar is Osara certainly a, a, a talent on his day.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think this is it with Watford. I, I'm not sure your midfielders are. Forgive me for just being blunt, but I don't think your midfielders are really top class. I think they're okay. They are kind of they'll they'll keep you in games. Mm. They're not really going to do anything too dangerous. Chalaber and. Um, uh, oh gosh, the other one from um, X-Men United, I always forget his name, quite short. Tom oh, Yes, Tom Cleverley, yeah, so Cleverley, Chalaber and um, there's another one on loan from United, I think Ghana, is, they're not really
1: yeah that's right yeah they're not really
0: going to set the world alight, but it's Saar and it's Pedro and um Dini these are the these are the players that if the ball does get to them in the final third they they don't need too much to just fire something at goal and this is really what I think your strengths are just games are tight you don't give away many goals and then if if Dini does get a good touch off to one of these players or if he gets it under control can turn and fire something at goal it's it's going to go in and yeah I think that would be the threat but a good thing for Brentford, I think, we have a defender called Mads Beck Sorensen, young, coming through, and he he loves the physical battle, and um, he doesn't like being stretched in behind or sort of played around by his feet. But what he does like is to get tight and sort of have an aerial battle. And I think Deeney will give him that. So depending on who we go with at the back, whether it's Pontus Hanson, Pinnock, uh, or Mads Beck Sorensen, um, all three of them really should be able to give Deeney a good a good game. So it'd be interesting to see how you do play this and who you put around. Um, who you put around Dini. I've got a feeling that uh, we should be able to keep Dini quiet. It's just who plays off him and then how that person connects because you you do tend to leave quite big gaps between Dini and the midfield. So it's going to be a fascinating battle and I I just think it'll be a low-scoring one, personally.
1: Okay, fair enough. Well, coming on to that, and uh, it's
0: the last question of the the pod, but uh, what do you think the score prediction would be? Uh, Well, it's always tough to give a score prediction, isn't it? But, yeah, I, I think... Um, I think it will be decided by one goal. I think it will be 1-0 and I'm going to go 1-0 to Brentford.
1: Okay, fair enough. That's David Anderson there from the Brentford Tactical Podcast and you can find more information from them at Bees Tactical on Twitter. Well, thanks to David for joining us and of course Jordan earlier on in the show. That's it for today's episode then but we'll be back again after the Brentford one to dissect that and also build up to the Huddersfield game on Saturday. Until then, keep showing the pod, and I'll see you next time but that's it for now. See you
0: there.